Oh, God is goed. Come on, yes. God is intense bewus. He is so aware of each and every one of us and our lives and what's happening in our lives and what's going through every single one of you. He knows, I weet. En uh, ek denk aan hy skrif to Sonja, ne? Praat, sê, he puts his trust in the Lord. Ne? Sal hy oplig, sê, op Arends vlerke. En, uh, it's when we start mixing in all other kinds of things, <laughs> that things go wrong, and we start leaning on our own reasoning and understanding, that things go wrong. So, thank you, thank you for your wonderful encouragement. In um, genade, ne? His grace. His grace. Good. Uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you that you are faithful. Your word says that you are faithful even though we are not. Even though we are unable because of our humanity and because of our fleshliness, our carnality, we are unable to be completely and 100% faithful. But you are faithful, Lord, because that is who you are. That is your character. That is, and we thank you for that, Father. And uh, I pray that this morning we will just grasp something about that, something about your faithfulness, something about your grace and your mercy uh, for us. And uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that you would uh, put your word in our hearts and that you will plant your word, Lord, and that will produce, it will produce fruit of righteousness. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good. So, um, every once in a while, it's, it's good for me to to start reading something and then go through it very, very slowly. So it's in verse for verse or, or, or thought for thought and chapter for chapter and chewing on what the, what the Lord is saying or, or what the Lord is trying to, to say to His church and all that. And, and I felt like we've done this in the past with a few of the other letters. Um, and I felt that yesterday when I started preparing that the Lord is just calling us to, to focus on, on the letter to the Philippians. Um, for a while, and we will ch- ch- we will sort of chew through it and 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 move through it very slowly. That machtalkapar vyekafat of patokal, and we'll go until we we can't go no more. And in um, even in the thing about doing something slowly is that the word gets planted because there are many things we just read over. Onslies, like even in the greeting, we'll see just now. <coughs> Like in his greeting, there's such substance in the greeting that he writes uh, that tells us so many things that is significant for our faith, significant for our Christian lives. So we want to chew through those things and, and work through those things. So I want you to open up Philippians with me. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but I do study it in the other translations as well so that I can sort of open it up a little bit better and bring that. This is just very easy for us all, ons Afrikaanse boykies, um, to, to read and, and to listen and, and understand. So I want to invite you, open up Philippians with me. 
and we'll start reading through it and talking through it. Uh, just, just a bit of background. So Paul is writing this while he is in prison. For uh, he's being persecuted for spreading the gospel. Uh, it's not going. He's not enjoying life. He's not somewhere in his Roman or Italian or whatever villa, and he's not somewhere in his mansion that was like, you know, God is blessing him because he's doing God's work. He's in prison. He's, he's not enjoying life. He's, he's in chains. Uh, he, he's being persecuted and, and people, he, uh, say, say, everyone has deserted me. Except for Timothy and Silas and I think Barnabas. Everyone has deserted him. And out of that, he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And, and ultimately, it's a letter of joy. And it's a letter of hope in the Lord. It's a letter that tells us how he has learned in every circumstance to be fulfilled and full of joy and hope in the Lord. So, so it's very important that we sort of just understand this background and, and, and see this background. Uh, so he says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy. So Timothy is his son, is his uh, spiritual son, whom he later sends to be an elder um, among the churches of Crete, the Ephesians. Uh, so he says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people. Who, who are God's holy people here? Yes? If you, if you are one of God's holy people, if you're a saint, just put up your hand so I can see. All right. This is for you. I'm writing this letter for you who are believing in God, who are God's holy people, who are in Christ. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Jesus Christ, including the church leaders and deacons. So especially those you guys who want to lead. You guys who want to be a leader in the church. This is for you. There's some things in here that you need to understand, that you need to, and, and it's not necessarily something that we all, all want to hear. All right? Then he says, this is the greeting, and oh, we read over this so quickly. He says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. May he give you grace and peace. And, and at first I also just read over it. And then this morning I woke up at five again to just go through everything and read it in another translation. And then this grace thing just struck me. He says, what is he saying if he says, if he greets you? What is so important about the grace and the peace that the church need to receive if he puts it for him to put it in every single letter that he writes. Right in the beginning he says, sort of, if you want to follow all the things, and if you want to do the things that I'm telling you to do, you will need this. You will need grace and peace. You will need this from the Lord. Grace and peace. And, and the, the, the Greek... Uh, for grace is derived from, from the word charios, which actually means to rejoice. 
to be glad, to be full of joy. So we know that this, the, the result of this grace will be joy. But this grace uh, has sort of two sides to it that we really need to understand. We need to understand Someone just needs to pray because there's a lot of resistance in the spirit. Can I ask you something quickly? Just on the worship. I woke up yesterday morning and the Lord showed me this is how we need to do worship today. And while we were doing it, I was sort of finding it hard. Because we're very used to having nice speakers blowing and like it's easy to get into the sound and the worship and everything. It's easy. But now when you take those things away, all of a sudden it sort of becomes a bit of an effort to enter into the presence of the Lord. It, it, it's like, it's difficult, like when everything's going a little bit crazy. Ne? But that is what it's supposed to, I, I think this is, it's supposed to be a little bit crazy. Our times of worship is supposed to be a little bit crazy. It's supposed to be like messy in, in our eyes. People dancing and children singing and, and shouting Jesus in the middle of, like, no one can hear what we're saying, but they're shouting Jesus. But it's like, it's the, the Lord knows. He hears our hearts. He sees our hearts, and that is to Him. See, we are so conditioned that, that worship, and I promise we are so conditioned that, that our worship and everything is supposed to be like this. This, uh, yeah, it used to be formal, and then it became like this, this, uh, experience uh, like a show almost kind of thing and so we get hyped up and singing along with all the nice sound and everything but what if you take that away I think dan kom ons rechtig by die kondisie van ons harte uit then it's our love for the Lord that drives our worship and not. So we will do this more and more. Because we need to move completely away from, from consumerism. You can be lucky I put out chairs. I could have stood literally for 10 minutes and I said, Moet ik stoelen uitzetten? Moet ik niet stoelen uitzetten? Maar waar gaan die mensen zitten? Wie gaan die heel tijd kan staan? So it's like my fear of man put out chairs for you. I'm, I'm honest. So there's another thing I want us to do right now. I want us all to just pray just for like one minute. So a a Pray out aloud. If you want to pray in tongues, you pray in tongues. Pray out loud and let's just just welcome the Lord, welcome the Word. Take authority over the enemy who wants to steal the Word. Because I feel there's a resistance, so we just need to break that. All right.
So just where you are, you can stand up or whatever if you want. I'm going to turn my back. Let's just for a minute, let's just do that, but do it loudly. Ne? Ne? All right. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this word. I thank you that you have given this word. Lord, I come now and I bind the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that wants to, to steal this word right now, Lord. And I declare this place open. I declare an open heaven over us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. You are wonderful. You are worthy to be praised. You are glorious. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Great. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this word. We receive this right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Mm. Oh, okay. I just received a wonderful revelation of grace. Grace. If the gospel is a fruit, grace is the seed. Right at the center out of which the whole fruit forms and receives its life from. And what the enemy has done in the past, he has completely crushed grace by, by legalism and by uh, complete... Uh, distortion about the law of God and, and, and the purpose of the law of God. And then sort of new revelation came about grace and then the enemy said, okay, well, that's not working anymore. People are not falling for the, for the sort of the weight of the, of the legalism. Let's take them all the way to the other side and we'll go and we'll say that grace gives you license to be able to just sin, living sin, and I remember like years ago, I was still like in my 20s, young, early 20s, I read a book about grace, and I realized now that this grace was like that kind of message, where this guy was saying like, yes man, he would like morse up, and, but he would still go and preach, and the power of God would still be there, and all that kind of stuff, because the promises and the gifts of the, the Lord are irrevocable, and so he'd like rely on, on all that. So the enemy is trying to steal the truth about grace from the church because if we truly grasp and understand grace, we will be the fruit of the gospel. Paul says, for the, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So it's really important for us to just stand still quickly with this greeting. May grace and peace be with you. So grace has two sides. The, 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 the one side of the grace is on the side of the one that provides the grace, the one that, that gives the grace. 
And then the other side is on the one that receives the grace. And both of these, for grace to be full and complete, need to sort of connect to one another and attach to one another. We need to understand both of these. If we don't understand this, then we'll, then we'll get a distorted picture of what grace is. All right. So on the side of God, He is the giver of grace. He is the one that gives, that literally pours out, pours out grace. Now, I read a commentary or, or a, um, a, a, di- uh, a diary, a word of dictionary. I read a, dic- a dictionary about, about this and uh, not the whole dictionary, just this word. I didn't read a dictionary. I read in a dictionary. <clears throat> Only the truth and nothing but the truth. It's the true expression of God's loving kindness is grace. The motive of grace is found only in His goodness. There's no other motive for God giving us grace other than who He is. This is very important for us to understand. That means that I have nothing to do with the grace of God. He pours out, He gives grace because of who He is. He's a good God. He's a good Father. He has good plans for you. It gives Him joy to pour His grace out on you. There is nothing that I can do to to merit it. That is why another definition of God's grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited means I do not receive, I do not earn it. All right. In fact, the anti uh, antonym of grace in the Greek literally means works to work. <coughs> we have to understand this. All right. So that is on the, on the part of the giver. Unmerited favor. But then for grace to have its full fruitfulness and for grace to really fully work for, for genade. And genade is not the right word here. Uh, so, I don't know if there is Afrikaans, a really good Afrikaans word for, for grace, what it means. We talk now about grace, ne? For grace to to have its fullness. And this is the part where we struggle. Is we have to receive grace. It doesn't just fall on you. It doesn't overwhelm you. It is not just automatic for every single person. See, people think that, that, or believe that if they are in Christ, that they are, like on Spratfan, we are under grace. Which is technically sort of correct, but you will only see the grace once you have received the grace. And the proof that you have received the grace is that you stop working. 
that you stop measuring. Have I done enough of this? Have I done enough of that? Have I done enough of that? If we are still finding ourselves trying to earn God's favor, earn God's goodness, earn God's merit, earn something that, that is coming to us from the Lord, earn the inheritance, then we, are not, then we have not received the grace of God yet. And for us to see the fruit of it, we have to receive it. Because on the receiving end, the grace of God is not only His goodness, it's not just like who He is, it's not just Him bestowing greatness, but the receiving of grace literally actually transforms you. It literally changes you from the mindset of one that is a sinner into the mindset of one that is a son of God. That is why Jesus taught the parable of the prodigal son. He went from the mindset of one who actually was a son, but did not receive the grace of the Father. He did not realize that everything that the Father has is His as well. He had an a, a orphan spirit, orphan mindset. Said, let me rather be on my own. Nee, Philip, jy het volgend een repentance gebed gedoen vir, en ek denk het was soalf namens ons allemaal, that we want to be independent. That's an orphan spirit. A spirit that says that, that, number one, maybe I don't deserve to be a son. And number two, I can do this on my own. Leave, my, leave me to my own life. So the father allowed him to go and to move into the world and to have his own life. And to give his life for a few hard claps. Like the Lord will allow with all of us. See, the Lord is gracious enough and loves us enough to say, okay then, you go. And you go try on your own. Go try and do your own thing. Make your mind up. Make your own decisions about your life. Make and see where that brings you. And then two, three, four, five, ten years down the line, we find ourselves being willing to eat with the pigs. Just to feel like I've got something in my stomach. And then he says, I'll go back as a servant. I'll go and work my way back into the house. At least I'll have food. At least I'll have that. He hasn't received grace. But here comes the Father and He bestows grace on the Son. He says, you... Doesn't matter what you did, you squandered your inheritance, you've done everything wrong. This is what I'm doing with you. I'm putting my ring on your finger. I'm restoring your identity. I'm clothing you again in new clothes. I'm clothing you in my clothes. That's grace. 
So, so when we receive grace, we, our sinfulness is affected. And uh, if you're not in grace, if you haven't received grace, you will be legalistic. You will obey the law because this is what the law says. Because the book says, or because the tablet says, or because the whatever says that you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. But once you receive grace, something changes in your heart that says, I desire to please the Lord. I desire to move away from the things that steal my life. I desire to make the right choices because it keeps me in God's plan for my life. And I know that God's plan for my life is the only good plan for my life. So if you receive grace, it literally is the power that transforms you. It gets started by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and He gives you new birth. That is, that is the initial push of grace that goes into your heart. It says, I, I, I make you a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 But then as you start receiving it, and, and as we go through this letter, this is sort of the picture that we need to read this letter with is that God has given us grace. And we need to receive it. And then the beautiful result of this, the experience of grace, is, is joy and pleasure and gratitude and favor. Knowing that you, are, that you are God's favorite. Knowing that you have joy in the Lord. Knowing that... Walking around like the most joyful people yeah. that, that exists. But we see many Christians like walking like this. Die lewe is so swaar. But if we can wake up in the morning and realize and know and see... When I look in the mirror, bless you. Look in the mirror and you can say to yourself, Jy is God's oog appel. He loves you. He is so fond of you. Look at yourself and say, Oh man, You, you are loved. But what do we do? We look at ourselves and we listen to the enemy coming in our ears saying, Grace is not just the goodness of God. Although everything about it is the goodness of God. But it's a substance, it's an enabling power, it's a, 
It is an ability. It is a change of identity. And we see the evidence of that through this letter of Paul. The things that he writes while he is in prison, the things that he says about his own life, we will discover that, 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 that everything about him is the expression of grace. So, I don't know if we can go with Om actually in die, in die brief in te gaan. <laughs> Maybe next week uh, we'll continue with, with moving into this. But for now I think we must just go home and maybe ask yourself this very serious question. Have I truly received the grace of the Lord? It is possible for us to know the truth but not yet be in the truth. It's even possible for us to know historically that Jesus Christ died, gave His life for us, paid for our sins and was risen Without, so it's possible for you to sort of believe that like you believed Jan van Riebeek came to the Cape in 1652. Without being partakers of that. It's very important. Jesus said, unless you partake of me, you have nothing in me. Because even the demons believe in Him. Even they know that He exists. They know His power. They know that He died and that He rose from the dead. But they have not made covenant with Him. So I need us to, to, to sort of ask this question, have I made the grace that God freely gives, that we do not work for, have I made it my own? And what does that look like in my life? How does my life manifest that? How has it transformed me then from the mindset of sinner to son? How does it transform me in my seeking for God's pleasure instead of living in God's pleasure. Asking for God's blessing instead of living out of God's blessing. How does my life look in terms of those things? What does my prayer life sound like? Do I pray out of a place of grace where I have received every spiritual blessing in Christ? Or do I pray out of a place of, of uh, uh, begging? 
Do I still ask for uh, the fruits of righteousness? Do I still ask for 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 geduld uh, in patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and peace? Or do I know that I have received this in Christ? I have patience. I have kindness. I have peace. I have everything that He has given me. Everything that is in Him, everything that He is, everything that expresses Him, I have received in Christ. Many mornings I drive around Like going from uh, supplier to supplier and all that, and then like, you wait for people, and it is not always lacker. So you want to be not friendly. Your flesh wants to be like, or you, or you get onto site, and then they haven't done what you said, or they've messed something up that will cost a lot of money to fix, and all that. So your flesh does not want to be nice. So many mornings I have to drive around and then I, I literally tell myself, You're, you are gentle. You're a friendly man. <laughs> it's good for people to be around you. I have to tell myself that. I have to tell myself that that is who the Lord has changed me into. Soos wat sy dan het gesê, I curse myself by saying that I'm tired or that I'm, or whatever. You bless yourself by saying that I am a carrier of the love of God. You bless yourself by saying, you don't bless yourself by saying I'm driving a Ferrari and I'm building a duck. You bless yourself by saying, I am an expression of the love of God. That is who He has made me. And I have not received that because I had to work hard, because I did the right things, because I did this, the right and all that. I received that because God has given it to me as a gift in Christ Jesus. I am patient. I have endurance. I am gentle of heart. And we see all of this in this letter from Paul, the, the, what he writes. We see this. That is why he starts the letter by saying, may you, because I'm putting a lot of stuff on you. I'm telling you not to do this. I'm telling you to love your enemies. I'm telling you to, to, to follow, uh, not in this letter, but in other letters. I'm telling you to follow the government even though they're wrong. I'm telling you that. It's not easy. That is why you need to receive the grace. You need to receive the power to do the things that your flesh would not want to do. And this is the gospel. Is that you have received it. This is the good news. You have what it takes. You have what it takes to be 
an expression of who God is. Every single one. So I think we'll then we'll then we'll sort of get into the letter and, and maybe during the week it's just like four chapters. Eh? Read through it a couple of times. All of us can read four chapters a day. Easy. Read through it. Read through it a lot. The whole one. Like in one sitting. Go take it. Read Philippians. If you have multiple translations, read it in multiple translations. So we can receive. (laughs) Receive it. So that our lives can be transformed. So that we can be carriers of grace. All right. Yes. Yes. Come and come off you. Go stick in the and let's do that. Lord, we thank you. For this amazing, amazing, amazing gift, Lord, that we can't even really grasp of your grace. Father, as we use the signs of our oneness with you, partaking in your blood and your body broken for us, as we come into covenant with you, Lord, we receive your grace. We receive the fullness of every spiritual blessing that you have given us in Christ Jesus. We receive the transformation of heart and mind, Lord, that brings us into sonship. We receive the fruits of righteousness that testify of what you have done for us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.